For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hey, everybody, it's Joe Trippy, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. We had to break from our usual programming and bring back Trigby Olson today to talk about the latest on the Ukraine situation. So many of you wrote in saying you appreciated his perspective the last time we had him on on this. And we'll try to get another update or two from him in the coming weeks as developments move forward. Trigby, welcome back. I can't think of a better guest to have on today uh, with what's happening in Ukraine. What do you think's going on? Well, thanks for having me on, Joe. And, and you know, I was, I was glad you asked because I think you probably feel this way. Um, you know, I know you've spent time in Ukraine. Alex has spent time in Ukraine. I spent time in Ukraine. I've talked to enough people today. I've gotten a lot of calls from people back home. You know, it's scary to see places that you've been getting hit with cruise missiles, airports that you've flown into, and for for all of us, you know, you and I are old enough, Alex isn't, to have remembered the Cold War. You know, being threatened with nuclear weapons is a scary thing. But I also think it's important for people to remember on a foundational level, you know, we have the greatest military on the earth, the most competent. We are part of the largest and most powerful alliance for peace, NATO that has existed in the history of humanity. Together, the combined economies of the United States and Europe that are standing together is exponentially bigger than Russia's economy. And really for us now, we have to all take deep breaths and recognize what this is really about is Vladimir Putin is betting that our dysfunction will lead to division in those entities, both within the United States, within the coalition. And right now, it's imperative if we're going to rise to our generation's challenge. And that's what Putin's throwing down. It's a challenge to, to what has been the post-Cold War world. We have to stand together, even if we don't agree on everything that President Biden's doing or that the alliance is doing or that our allies are doing. We have to stand together and confront this. And we will be good if we do. Um, we cannot let him win through division. And, and I mean, think about this. I mean, you have myself, traditional Republican, conservative in the Reagan vein. You obviously have a background, Howard Dean. We've been on opposite sides of these things. But when it came to what's going on abroad, we have always stood on this together, right? Because, and, and worked together around the world. IRI, NDI, the people that I worked close with were the people on the other side. Labor unions. Chamber of Commerce, right? I was doing a, a the Rick Smith show last night, labor union show, and and I was saying to Rick, you know, President Reagan, the Democrats, Thatcher, they got together and they said the cornerstone of the democracies are political parties, labor unions, and and business in the eighties, and and that's what we have to export. Now, to your point about our allies, the Germans have been stepping up. Um, 
our new, uh, you know, the, the former Soviet republics and client states that are now independent European nations and always have been, they're stepping up. The UK is stepping up. I saw today the UK is banning all flights originating from Russia, landing in the UK. That's real stuff. We have to say to Putin and his ilk, whether at home or abroad, there is no place in a world that is a Democrat free world for this kind of thing. And and I'll tell you, when you see the courage of some of the video that's coming out, you know, and Clarissa Ward, by the way, from CNN, she's a rock star, like, and she's brave. Yeah. Right. The Russians, she's done a bunch of stories on the Russians. She's right there on the front lines, but she's interviewing kids yeah. in Ukraine who are not giving into the fear and intimidation that Putin is trying to project. And then you look at some of the things that have gone on here. We need to we need to think about what kind of world we want our kids and those kids to grow up in. And that kind of world requires democracy. The world we had two days ago and the world we had today gets to the heart of what this battle whether at home or abroad, is all about. And it's an age-old battle between zero-sum bullies who want to impose their rule on everyone else versus the idea of win-win democracy. We're not going to get all of what we want, but we're going to get far more together by embracing working together. And... Um, it's it's outrageous when you look at what Tucker Carlson is doing. I mean, good God! Uh, or even Laura Ingram and, having Donald Trump on when the bombing has started. What? what? He's a client state of Pravda. Right, it, but what is you know what's going to happen here is there's going to be hardship across the board across the you know citizens of the United States across Europe. I mean, you know, I saw the estimate of. Just um, not keeping the Nord Stream 2 pipeline on uh, could cost uh, uh, Germans, you know, 2,000 euros more uh, for their gas prices. That's how strong, you know, the unity is, knowing that that's going to get imposed on citizens. They're not going to be happy about it at all. It could, you know, it's going to be um, political, uh, cause political upheaval. That's what, by the way, Putin's counting on. Here in the in the U.S., you know, gas prices are going to go up, and and this is going to cause a, a lot of, a lot of issues with with rising prices. But when you think through what that, and it's going to be tough on people. But when you think through what Clarissa Ward was showing us, uh, the pain and what the Ukrainian people will be, the price they're going to pay over the coming weeks and months just pales to to any hardship on on the rest of us. And I think that's where I think the danger of Trump um, and the the Tucker Carlson's because they'll be playing up on that pain and blaming it on Biden and, you know, and, and saying it's because he was weak, whatever, you know, they're, they're going to rattle on. And I think that's going to cause the kind of division or they they will be trying to fuel the kind of division that Putin is counting on that he needs because if we divide here, if he's able to split Germany off from you know the NATO coalition, the Western coalition uh, on on issues, that's what he needs to continue to to go. The one thing I wanted to ask you though is, do you think this is it? I mean, I don't. The more I look at this, the more I'm worried about Moldova and other 
places that are, you know, beyond Ukraine. It doesn't seem to me that this is that his intent is necessary. I mean, the first the issue was how much of Ukraine does he want? It's now clear he's going for everything. <laughs> he wants it all. Right. And then, you know, but you saw uh, there was an attack. Uh, I don't know. Was it Snake Island? I can't remember where it was. But there's nothing really there except it's right on the Ru- Romanian border. It, I mean, it seems like he's pressing much further than 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 initially people thought. I, which, what do you think about that, or or am I wrong? No, I think he's testing us. He's testing our resolve. He's testing the Europeans' resolve. He's taken Belarus. Those those troops that were in Belarus are going to stay in Belarus, and that is a game changer in the sense that it's putting putting Russian troops right on the border with NATO in the Baltic states, in Poland. And we are going to have to, as the United States and as our allies, probably deploy troops to create tripwires to say, you do not go in there or you will start World War III. And he's doing it, of course. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, well, Biden's already laying out and sending more. Yeah, he's sending more troops there. He needs has to. This is the thing about these Republicans who are now pivoting to right, like Biden should be doing more. What more do you do they want him to do? You know, it's just classic. They're trying to have it yeah. both ways. And this is as black or white as it comes. And it, you know, I'm I'm kind of cranked up today, I'm thinking, Joe, but it's utter tomfoolery on the part some of these tweets like Elise Stefanik put out or Tom Cotton put out, what do they want? We're not going to put troops on the ground, given the the dynamics in Ukraine, and the Ukrainians don't want that. But I'll tell you what, in in the allies, we're going to have to, or he's going to push, because he's trying to break NATO and the world as we see it. And, you know, there's part of me that's wondering, he's, he's, he's kind of unhinged, and, and I've seen enough stuff on Twitter and just in the media ecosystem and conversations. I will tell you, there's a, it appears that there's Russian diplomats and others who are like, I can't believe we've done this. Like they're, and you see this coming out of Ukraine. They can't believe it because none of them want this. This is this – is, Well, you're, you're also starting to see that in the streets of Moscow, St. Petersburg – you know, I mean, people are really risking their lives and marching in the streets, you know, saying Absolutely. saying no war. And the size of the crowds are pretty I, I'm pretty shocked at how uh, 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 how how big they are. So I don't know if that'll have any impact on Putin. Oh, I think it's what he really fears. I um, I have this theory that what it's really about is and, and maybe this is biased from my from having been close to it. But I think what this is really about. And I think I've said this before. I might have said it on your podcast. You, If you're Vladimir Putin and you saw what happened in Belarus in the summer of 2020, right? Like their assumption was Lukashenko's not going anywhere. You had hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people show up. You had a, a woman who was a stay-at-home mom whose husband got thrown in jail who literally won 80, 85% of the vote. It was so overwhelming that everybody knew that, right? right? Putin had to come in and save Lukashenko. What we have to ask ourselves is, what does Vladimir Putin fear? What Vladimir Putin fears is democracy, people saying we've had enough and coming to the streets in Russia and, and saying no more, we're not putting up with this. 
And and that's what was happening in Belarus. And it's what happened in Ukraine. Ukraine. It, it is what happened in Ukraine yes. with Zelensky. I mean, whether you like Zelensky well, or not, I mean, yeah. that's what the Ukrainian people said. We've had enough. We don't want any more of that. Happened three yeah. times a in lot. Ukraine. Yeah. Happened in 2003, happened in, in 14. Every time it was Putin trying to intercede and people came out and said, we're not putting up with this. Ukraine was becoming a shining city on a hill, a mini one, for all the people in that region of what they could become. And when Belarusians who are fighting for democracy had to get out, they went to the Baltic states, they went to Ukraine. When Georgians or Cossacks or whatever, Ukraine was becoming the model of what they aspirationally could become in the same way that the United States and Western Europe was the aspiration for what Poles and Lech Walesa wanted to be and you right. know all Havel and all these giants. And if you're Putin, you're sitting there looking at that, oh my God, I've got to squash this because that's how his mind works. Now, so he fears that. But the other thing that he fears, and I think the Biden administration and our allies, we've they've gone at this. What what he also fears is a bunch of elites around him who like have have pillaged Russia in terms of money. But what they like is sending their kids to private school in Switzerland or the UK or buying property in Miami or Manhattan and their yachts and all the rest of it. And and he fears those people saying, you know what, like, I like my yacht. I don't want my yacht taken. I like being able to go to Paris and, you know, have a gajillion dollars and hang out there. And 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 if you look at what they've done with the sanctions, saying they haven't been tough enough, they're sanctioning all of those people right around Putin saying you do not get to come here and have that that double game. And there will be costs, as you point out, there's going to be costs for average people with gas. There's going to be costs with the donor class who, you know, whose businesses, they may be in real estate in London or New York. You know, imagine a New York real estate guy who's selling properties to Russians, right? But there's going to be costs for them too. But you know what? That's the cost that we have to pay because at the end of the day, freedom and democracy and the broader it is, is the foundation for pretty much everything else, economic success opportunity, that political stability. If you don't have political stability, you don't have that. That's what's on the line here. And the Biden administration is leading our allies to put real pain on those people. Nord Stream's about that. So, Trigvi, you mentioned earlier that part of Putin's calculus is that, or and, and Joe, I know you mentioned this too, is that the West can't possibly hold together and hold the line. Some of the discords they've been sowing, but it seems like so far, and and I know this has been kind of all over the news, R- Russia's attempts to interfere with a lot of elections, both here and abroad, and a lot of kind of the meddling has kind of galvanized both kind of some unlikely coalition partners here i mean we're all talking right now and 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 also abroad do you do you see that line continuing to be held yeah i think so and 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 um actually alex you know that you and joe know this um you know when the lincoln project has been working to try and bring together organizations together with through the union right. join the union.us put a plug in it here's what i would say if you are part of the Ukrainian diaspora in the United States, if you are part of the Russian diaspora that's come here and are integrating in the best spirit of America, if you're part of the Baltic, if you're part of the Polish diaspora, go to theunion.com and sign up. Get your organization to be a part of that because part of your role in, in defending 
in the same way that happened after World War II with the occupation of all these places. Part of your way of defending your nation is by becoming involved here and standing against those same forces that are invading Ukraine or that are threatening your homeland, original homelands as as Americans today. Trig, there's a there's a point there I also wanted to make about, I mean, if you look at, and we're recording this on a Thursday, it'll, it'll come out on a Friday, but, you know, one of the things that thousands of people from the union did today actually was we rallied them to call Fox News and tell them to stop pushing the Russian propaganda. And just I know a lot of people listening to this have, have signed up to volunteer, and I bet a lot of you listening to this have made the calls. We've actually crashed two, I believe, of Fox News's incoming phone lines with all the calls coming in. So, so keep up the pressure. They're definitely hearing the voices. But that's the kind of thing that may not seem like much, but, but when tens of thousands of people are doing it can make a really huge difference. Absolutely. I mean, here's the thing. We have to have faith in each other and we have, we need to make them understand and have some fear of what it means to stand on, on the autocracy side. And, and we do that by accountability. I talk about the seven rules, you know, um, and I've talked about it before for dealing with autocrats on this show. It's something, Joe, you and I have talked about a lot, how they work. Yeah. We, this is speaking truth to power. And there is an element within our society that's succumbing to to what Fox is doing. The way that we practice zero-sum judo, which is rule number five, is by using our what we have by calling them up, by sending them emails and saying, we're not putting up with this. And we're going to – the power of us having faith to stand together to fight for democracy so that we can have fights about marginal tax rates – or issues that people like Joe and I have been on opposite sides of beating each other's heads in. Do we want to have those fights? Joe and I kind of liked when we had those fights. <laughs> yeah, well, it's going to be a long time before we get back to that. We got we got a lot of work to do. But I mean, I think it does boil down to look. You, you, you know, you, you either stand with Ukraine or you stand with Putin, and I think that's the case we have to make every time uh, Trump, you know, or Tucker or whoever. Uh, you know, clearly go out of their way to stand with Putin is make that's that's what this is really about here. And, and we have to stand together. And, and it, it's it, it, it stand with Ukraine is actually it, it is democracy versus autocracy. And you can either stand with Ukraine and democracy or you stand with Putin, and, you know, an invasion and autocracy, a guy who's who's, you know, taking power um for his own, you know, I mean, it, it makes no sense. That's why I think that's one of the reasons the Ukrainians are so stunned by this is they just they can't fathom why this is happening. It makes no sense to them at all. They've done that. They've kicked them out three times. And now and now he's coming in with this force. Well, it's 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 like reasonable people watching one six. Yeah. You're like, how is this yeah. happening? How can this be happening? This is insane. And you know what? It's that's the, the thing is, instead of being shocked by it, we have to say, this is the reality. We're in this. Now, I'm going to have faith and stand right. and fight together with anybody who will stand and fight and not get dragged into one of the things that's driving me nuts. And this is probably a good platform, Joe, because I bet your audience skews a little more Democrat. But Democrats have have been taking the debate the, the on social media when 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 Trump world says 
well, he didn't invade Ukraine when when our guy was in there. They want to drag you into that fight. The easy answer to that is put it right back in their face and say, this is about democracy or autocracy. Your guy has consistently stood with team autocracy. Right. Yeah. And that's why this is happening. Don't get into the semantics of because that's the fight they want you to be in. Yeah, yeah. Just hammer them. Yeah, no, and, and hammer and, them of what it's really about—black or white. Yeah, no, that's it. It's either stand with Ukraine or stand with Putin. Stand for democracy or stand for you, you know for a dictator, uh, which is what they yeah. you know, uh, and that's what uh, uh, Tucker and, and and Trump and uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and the co-host of them. Uh, I was a little bit. Um, it seems that um, J.D. Vance has discovered there's 80,000 Ukrainians um, who can vote <laughs> in Ohio because uh, a few days ago before the thing, he said he, he made that statement about he really didn't give a damn about Ukraine. You know, why is everybody making a big deal about it? Who cares? And then today he's right. he's 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 quietly walking that back, putting the, the sweater on and talking about how maybe it's Putin's gone too far or something. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, it's so transparent. Listen, here's the thing that, that those those guys don't understand about, about Ohio. Ohio not only has one of the biggest Ukrainian diasporas in the United States, it has one of the biggest Baltic diasporas yep. in the United yep. States. It has it has one of the biggest Polish diasporas. And if you think that those people, particularly the first generations or the second right. generations, don't get it, they're nuts. And 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 we, for those of us who are are working on team democracy, it's why I say Again, if you're a Ukrainian American, if you're a Baltic American, if you're a Russian American, go to jointheunion.us. And and yeah, right. and and if you're an American, <laughs> go to jointheunion.us. Yes. Join the, join right. the uh, now's the time. We we we're already over well over forty thousand uh, people who who've signed up and growing every day. Uh, and so you know, uh, and you've heard about it on the show before. But again, I think this. This points to the importance of us all coming together and standing up for democracy and stand with Ukraine. This is this is if our grand great grandparents or in mine, in your case, Joe, because we're older, our grandparents fight was between fascism and and freedom. And our parents was between communism and capitalism. This is our generational battle between autocracy and democracy. And 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 together. Sometimes democracy requires standing up and fighting and setting aside the other things. But you know what? The reality is we didn't ask for this, but it's been given to us and and we will prevail because we have no choice but to prevail for our children and our grandchildren. And I say this all the time when I've been talking to groups lately. People say to me all the time, I don't want my kids to grow up in a in a America without democracy. And I say, you don't want to grow your kids to grow up in a world right. without American democracy. And that's what we're seeing right now. That is what we're seeing. And I can tell you, my kids are younger. Um, to sit and talk with a 13-year-old daughter about nuclear annihilation because some autocrat sitting in Moscow is threatening and, and is forcing kids her age into subways for, for what? Other than his own vanity, it makes me mad, and everybody should get mad. And we—that's the fight that we're in. And the people who enable him here, we got to call him out. We got to hammer him. And he's not even veiling the threat that he 
might consider nuclear weapons. I mean, I know we don't talk about it, no. but he's been clearly trying to bluff, you know, whether that's a bluff or not, but he's definitely using that. And also, uh, uh, I think, you know, the cyber capabilities and, you know, we'll shut down your electricity, uh, you know, all that, all those kinds of things that if he crosses that line, we're now in a totally different, uh, I mean, I'm not talking about nuclear uh, as much because God, hope he's not that far gone, but uh, he, he could well be. No, but here's the thing. I, I love the 80s. You're old enough that you probably love the 80s even more than I did because I was a little younger. The 80s had a lot of great pieces to it. The Cold War was not one of yeah, the great pieces of absolutely. the 80s. And if 99 loop balloons come back and my kids have to put up with that, I'm going to be pissed. We should all be angry yeah, about it. absolutely. We should be. So one of the things so, I did want to... When they, what is the Chernobyl thing about in your view? Is that just, I mean, why did, is that just because it was a quick path through the, 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 the forest there uh, to come on down or, or is there some reason Putin would want to, want to hold Chernobyl and keep it? I, I mean, I don't. I think it says a lot about what he thinks of his own troops based on some of the video that came out. They're all sitting there right by the sarcophagus of the reactor with no, like radioactive gear on. He clearly cares a lot about his boys that he sent there. But here's what I really think it's about. I think for Putin, when, when you think about the history of the collapse of the Soviet Union, the ecological movement and the environmental movement after Chernobyl was a big part of what forced Glasnost. Right. And if anybody hasn't ever watched on, I don't know if it's on Netflix or HBO or where, the 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 uh, the show Chernobyl. Yeah. The, 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 there was you should definitely watch it. It was actually filmed in Lithuania. And a, a good friend of mine, um, she helped. She she played a central role in that in that movie. But I think for Putin, you know, he thinks that the collapse of the Soviet Union was the greatest geopolitical tragedy of the 21st century, 20th century. And um, I think the Chernobyl thing for him is is about revisiting that. There's no real reason why they needed to take Chernobyl. Um, the fact that they accidentally hit it with rockets and other stuff. I mean, I think that's just shows you sort of how they roll. But um, I, I, that's what I really think. I think I think some of it's some deeply psychological malaise inside. It's a it. thousand square mile exclusion zone because of the <laughs> radioactivity. I mean, done lots of work to clear uh, some of it around the you know the plant but you're trudging your own troops through miles and miles of that radioactive territory it does like he said it it it, it literally it's just fodder for him it doesn't he doesn't it shows no concern for them whatsoever and then and then there's these the reports that they're uh that they literally had to trick a lot of the troops into who, who didn't know they were going to go be sent to kill Ukrainians. Uh, you know, that, that it just seems like he doesn't really he doesn't care about the troops. He's just they're just they're, they're just fodder for him uh, to get for his legacy, for his legacy. I think what makes the whole thing dangerous is there's part of me that wonders how this is all going to. Right. Well, we all the, wonder for, that for your average Russian guy. You don't want to hate. Well, yeah. But but I mean, from his perspective, yeah. right, your average Russian kid has they've lived 30 years since the fall of the Berlin Wall, too. They don't hate Ukrainians. They weren't even born. They have no beef with those people. They've only known an independent Ukraine as they're showing up and being told to shot Ukraine, shoot Ukrainians. Sometimes that doesn't work. Right. I mean, one of the one of the rules of of doing the kind of some of the kind of work that I did it is 
you know, military, the, when, when the Soviets would send the military into places like Hungary or Czech Republic, they'd send military from the stands in because they would actually shoot the old ladies who would stand right. in front of them, right? But tr- troops don't tend to kill their own citizens. They just don't. And, and the reality is he is right on one thing. Ukrainians and Russians, are they're all Slavic people. They're two separate nations, but they share a lot of common history. I mean, in some ways, I was joking to a colleague of ours, this would be like Nevada invading Utah, right? Like, it, it, And so it does beg the question. It's easy to launch missiles. It's easy to drop bombs from airplanes. Right. But are Russian troops really going to want to go to house to house and, and confront you know, babushkas, 80 year old grandma with, with guns. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm, I find that hard to believe. I, he might be just believing his own bullshit. That's possible. He may be so secluded that he believes his own crap about Nazis and all the rest. I mean, Zelensky is Jewish and of Russian descent. Yeah. It's the denazification of nuts. Ukraine. It's insane. I mean, it's like crazy talk, but that's the point. Uh, 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 he, I, I think, I, look, I know he's got intelligence. I know he's got folks all over Ukraine. I mean, you know, you know, you, you couldn't walk into a bar without stumbling on, on somebody right. who, who's keeping an eye out, but it just, both yeah, sides, all right, exactly. And it just, it, it, so he's, he, I don't see how he thinks this wouldn't be one of the, the toughest insurgents. I mean, he, so he pulls it off. You know, you know what I'm saying? It gets, you know, decapitates yeah. um, the the government in Kiev and puts somebody in. It's going to be there, there. I just don't think, you know, there. It's not sustainable over yeah, the, the, the It's only a matter of time before Ukrainians say we're not putting. And they and, do it for the fourth honestly, time. How would you like to be the guy who's the Ukrainian who he says, "Hey, you're in charge now," given how that worked out for Yanukovych? Yeah, uh, it's right. Like, really? I don't. Yeah, I, I just, but I just think it's more. The I think the last uh, eight years have really hardened the Ukrainian people. I mean, in a way. I mean, to to to, to be again, you know, freedom's our religion. Um, to to to. I mean, they're handing. They're just literally handing rifles out to anybody who'll take one. Those, you know, they're going to be. How do you? How do you do the the door to door thing and not? Uh, you know, you know, and not have this this real urban insurgency that you have to keep down constantly. Um, if if he can pull off an occupation with only a couple, I mean, it's a country the size of Texas, and you've got you know 150, 190 thousand troops. I don't know that they can pull it. That that there's any hope that he he could pull that off. But he he seems to. I, I mean, it, it, there's so much of this that is insane. Um, that just doesn't right. seem to be. I mean, first of all, he didn't think. I think he didn't think that he he underestimated Biden's ability um, uh, to hold a coalition, a, a united coalition together, um, which takes yes. real work. But but uh, I think he's underestimated that. I think further, he may well have un- underestimated, even though it should have been clear to him from his own intelligence, underestimated. The, the will of the Ukrainian people themselves to, to they're just they're not going to just like wave a white flag and say, come, come, you know, come take us. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And he's done he's done more to unite the UK with Europe. Yeah. Than yeah. 
could have ever been done. I mean, it's it it, it really is. It's I I don't know. I I will say this, and I think you probably feel this way because we've had this conversation. I know you do because we've had this conversation. For for people in the audience to understand, when you would go to Kiev, right in the last five years, if you had been going there over a longer arc, the excitement and the passion that Ukrainians had about the successes and how good they felt about themselves because they were they had the mission of building a democracy a country that was becoming prosperous yeah. that was becoming european and holding the values and and how hard they had struggled together was contagious did they have their problems sure does our democracy have its problems sure but they had that unity I mean, honestly, it felt a little bit like now I'm really going to date my favorite moment from the 80s. It felt like being an American when the American hockey team beat the Russians in Lake Placid, right? It's the 43rd anniversary of that. And I think about myself, um, we stopped on on a snowy roadside in Minnesota and other strangers stopped to see if we were okay. And we told them what's happening. And everybody was dancing out in the snow, right? Because it was such an amazing moment. That's what Ukraine was like. If the national pride and we're doing this, and 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 there's no way they're going to respond well to some thug who's been consistently doing this, now resorting to I'm gonna drop bombs on you to create fear, literally, like I'm gonna just try and destroy your culture. It, there's no way that, that that works. The big question is for all of us really is do Russians, I, you know, how many of them say we're not putting up with this yeah. either. This is nuts. And, 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 and we sometimes tend to think, well, he controls all the PR mechanisms and everything else. Don't think that at dinner tables all across Russia tonight, there isn't conversations going on. What is this about? There's a cognitive dissonance going on, and and that can become the power by which that is the power by which you break the fear that autocrats tend to hold. It it literally is, and it's it's. The, the, I think you're going to see more and more now. Then it begs the question: If you're the Biden administration or the leaders in Europe, how do you deal with with a guy who's going to start getting more and more cornered? Right. Right. Because he's always believed that the protests on the street must be the CIA out to get him. Just because he's paranoid doesn't mean he doesn't have his enemies. Um, but he's paranoid, and a lot of time he sees enemies where they don't exist or things. And so that's going to have to be dealt with because that becomes a delicate situation. But boy, I just don't. Well, I I don't. Well, know. the one thing I I, I, think, I think he he we got to make sure he has underestimated is the will of the American people. I mean, in other words, like, yes, he, he's sure. going to try to grind this out as long as possible. And knowing that uh, people start getting up in Germany, and other places, the citizens will start being upset about, you, you know, about the hardships that, that they they face for um, something that's going on in, in you know, in, in Ukraine um, is that he, he's going to keep pushing that. And I think that's why. Um, it's it's so important for everybody out there to understand there's going to be hardship. It's going to be tough. But but it's this is democracy that really is at stake. And that um, if he continues and pushes and we we kind of lose patience, which, by the way, is not yeah. not necessarily an un-American thing to lose, pa- <laughs> lose patience. Right. Uh, uh, right. We can't afford to do that this time. We got to hang together and. 
and support a united front uh, to stop this. You know what, Joe? This elevates the the 2022 and our particularly our 2024 elections because you know if he's still around, he's going to view that as his opportunity to break that alliance with electing somebody. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is that's why we have to hold together. We've got to come together. Uh, please go to jointheunion.us. Uh, Alex is giving me and Trigby the high sign that we've run out of time. <laughs> so thanks, Trigby, for coming on. And thanks for listening to that trippy show. We'll be back next week. If you have a minute, I know it doesn't seem like much, but please do put out on social media that you stand with Ukraine and with democracy. The world needs to know we are all allied in the fight for democracy everywhere um, and that we do stand with Ukraine uh, and not uh, those who stand with Putin. We'll follow up, and there is a union alert going out soon with more that you can do to help. Find out more at jointheunion.us. Don't forget, please subscribe to That Trippy Show, leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen, and please do share this episode with a friend. Um, I think Trigby's perspective is is something that people need to hear more of, and we're, we'll have him back several times over the next month or two uh, as developments um uh, you know, occur out there and get his view. You can always send us a question to that trippy show at Gmail or leave us a question in the review on iTunes. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Trigby. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.